Hello and welcome to the firm, Clark Jeffers and Co. Solicitors podcast. And we've got a little uh, different one tonight, a little more unusual for you. Uh, we embrace risk here at Clark Jeffers, always have. Our clients, uh, entrepreneurs that they are, are not uh, scared of it. And one man we have with us tonight, Gary Flannery, is certainly one of those individuals. Welcome, Gary. Uh, for those of you who don't know Gary, uh, Gary is the uh, head of HPL, the Human Performance Laboratory here in Carlo, uh, the fitness training centre. And Gary is going to do something pretty special this year uh, where he buy, he's going to take place in the Zurich Ironman, I believe, Gary. Is that right? That's right, Victor, yeah. When's that happening? 29th of July. Now, can I just ask, what in God's world will possess you to do an Ironman? Can we start a little bit by talking about what is an Ironman? Yeah, so it's uh, essentially it's a long-distance triathlon, So, which means uh, the breakdown is a swim first, which is 2.4 mile. Um, a bike then which is 112 mile finished by a 26 mile marathon and this is all in one day is it yeah and one after the other yeah okay and if if that wasn't difficult enough or if that wasn't crazy enough you've set yourself a very specific target for this haven't you yeah i suppose i started following ironman going back maybe 20 years i remember seeing it on eurosport when i was a kid and it always intrigued me. And Good thing you didn't get into tractor pulling, so. Yeah, it? absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there is kind of a, a ten-hour um, barrier within Ironman triathlon, which a lot of athletes, I guess, want to try to strive to break that ten hours. Okay. So, so I've put that out there for myself. But this is the aspiration time. I mean, mm. put this in context. You've ever done an Ironman before? Yeah, I've done two. Uh, both have come in around the twelve-hour mark. So essentially, I'm looking to take two hours off of my my previous times. Okay, so you're looking to take the swim out. Yeah, actually, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, Gary, for somebody like me who can't understand what it would take to do a, a an Ironman, to put it in context, how many people compete in these competitions? It depends. Different Ironmans have different application entries. It can range anything from fifteen hundred to several thousand. Okay, and do does everybody finish it? No, no, certainly not. D- again, depending on the course, some courses are much more difficult than others. Depending on the course, there's a, a much higher drop off. I I've done Bolton a couple of times, which would be regarded as one of the the toughest Ironmans, and there's several hundred finishers every every year. Okay, well let's just break this down a little bit, just so that people can understand it, including myself. You've got the the swim. How long did you say that was the swim? Two point four mile. 2.4 miles. And how long, roughly, should that take? A good At a good pace? At a good pace. Swimming is by far my weakest. So at a good pace, a relatively strong swimmer will swim it in an hour and 20 minutes. Okay. And then you, you climb out of the sea, I presume, is it? Uh, lake in Zurich. Lake, okay. And you're banjaxed from this, um, this long swim. And then you've got to jump on the bike and do how long? 180 kilometres, so 112 miles. Okay, so to put that in context, you're going roughly from Dublin to Waterford. Yeah, I don't, I don't like how you're making these uh, comparisons. <laughs> it's, it's making me feel uncomfortable. Yes, okay, okay. <laughs> well, let's, let's say you're assuming you're going from Dublin to Waterford. Um, and then when you get to Waterford, you have to do a full marathon. Yeah. Okay, now, I know lots of people who've done marathons. And they spend eight months training. I'm sure a lot of your students do it. And it's a mm. goal to be able to mm. do that marathon. It is a life goal. Mm. How do you put a life goal as one third of the things you need to do inside 10 hours? 
it's funny I guess I guess a certain part of some people's brain just continuously is not satisfied maybe so stops um, working Gary <laughs> yeah that could be it so when I've when I've previously done my marathons I've always just wanted to do more I guess mm-hmm. to test the human body is the is the overall goal and this is my next level I guess okay well let's get to that point then you don't just test the human body right you've got to train it presumably mm. and um what kind of training goes into, like, day one, I decide to do an Ironman. Mm. And I sit down with you in the HPL and I say, Gary, good news. I've decided to do an Ironman and I want you to train me. Now, mm-hmm. you're holding back the tears of laughter I can see across the <laughs> table. And I know what you're thinking. But assuming that happened, where do you start? For someone who has not competed in any distance triathlon, mm-hmm. um, putting maybe a, a small goal in place just to begin, just trying to get like a sprint triathlon out of the way. So a nice short swim, nice short cycle, nice short run, getting a little bit of confidence, getting to understand what it feels like to get on a bike after running, what it feels like to start running after you've been on a bike for so long. Is this the jelly leg different. syndrome? This is the jelly leg syndrome. So yeah. that is, it's very different to run off a bike as it is just to run. Okay. Your body is, has to adapt to a whole new set of feelings because you've been crunched over essentially for mm. maybe six hours and now you've got to straighten up again, which is, um, that's probably the biggest difficulty that an, uh, a triathlete will face. So um, just to get in your shorter, smaller um, triathlons mm. will start to adapt you to be, to be able to do this. And look, it's like anything, we progress after time and we... We, we get you to that Ironman. Mm-hmm. So then we, we get to your stage, okay, mm-hmm. and talk, talk to me a little bit about your stage. You've decided, when when did the whole, we should introduce the concept, I suppose, it's breaking 10 is the concept of what you're, yeah. you're trying to do, and you're going to raise money for a very worthy charity mm-hmm. for this, isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that charity, just for, we'll get back to it later, but just, mm-hmm. it's Saplings here mm-hmm. in Carlow, isn't that right? Yeah, it's Saplings, it's a school based in Great Cullen in Carlow, and it's a, a school that essentially looks after kids who are challenged by autism and learning difficulties okay. so it's, it's a it's a really good cause and i presume uh, along with all of these great institutions it's badly funded government wise yeah, absolutely yeah, okay it's, tragically it's, yeah. it's, okay well look it's, it's a great charity and we are definitely going to talk a little bit more about that but um from from your perspective you've woke up one morning you've decided i'm going to do an ironman i'm going to make it really hard on myself and i'm going to try and do it within 10 hours and i'm going to do it for saplings mm. so talk to me a little bit about your training regime to get yourself ready for this? I think that's one thing about Ironman, the training can very much, you can put all the structure in place in the world, but there's hiccups. And that is one of the, that is one of the difficulties that you'll always face with Ironman. At the moment, I'm just on the back of about 22, 23 days of rehabilitating uh, an Achilles tendon issue. So um, I'm currently about probably two weeks behind schedule. Okay. But the beauty about that is, because you've got the different disciplines, if my Achilles tendon is acting up, I can maybe get more work in the gym or I can get more work in on the bike or I can, you know, I've, I've got these areas I can play around with. So it's, yeah, so my day, I guess, could be broken down into, um, I work, obviously, I've got my own business, as you mentioned, which I, which I usually work from maybe six in the morning until eight in the evening. Um, I usually train maybe a couple of hours before I start the day, so maybe four to six in the mornings or maybe eight to ten at night. Okay, so when you say train, obviously this time of year it's pitch dark, four mm. to six in the morning and eight to ten at night, so what kind of training are you doing? 
at the moment um, because of this injury I'm trying to put in maybe two hours in the gym in the evenings maybe one hour rehabilitation before I start work in the mornings um, but that shift is now going to come so mm. I've fully uh, rehabilitated this injury if you like I believe I have anyway I hope I have so from midweek this week I will be probably getting a couple of hours in in the morning maybe 4 to 6 a.m trying to get probably a run in in the middle of the day so maybe 1 to 2 p.m and then get him for a swim later in the evening maybe yeah. eight half eight yeah because i know when 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 guys like me decide we're going training gary right that means we're going to the gym for an hour on tuesday evening and we talk about it for four days afterwards <laughs> how wrecked we are i presume your training for this this challenge isn't an hour on a tuesday evening is it most days a week or yeah, I'd do something every day, certainly. Um, Sunday would always be a recovery day where I might just get out, get a, a light jog in, a light cycle in. But certainly, I do train every day. I intend to train every day between now and breaking 10. Yeah, I mean, I remember you told me a story once um, about training for an Ironman where you were training so hard that you fell asleep That's on right, one of your cycle yeah. trainings. Tell me a yeah. little bit about that. Yeah, it was actually... Um, it would have been... It would have been prior to my first Ironman, which was 2013. I was cycling to Port Leash early one morning, and um, I was actually so tired, so fatigued. A tri bike is where you're able to get a quite a low aero position, and you leave your, you essentially leave your elbows on the handlebars, so okay. you can get nice and low, and mm. you can get quite comfortable. So I was a little bit too too comfortable on this particular morning, mm. and yeah, I actually fell asleep. I woke up in the ditch. I just literally veered straight into the ditch. And and did you injure yourself? No, I was very lucky actually. Pretty much nothing. A couple of scrapes and bruises, but nothing, nothing that uh, nothing that stopped me from cycling home. <laughs> well, look, this this brings me around nicely then to uh, embracing risk. Mm. Um, it's one thing to train for an Ironman, mm. particularly when you're falling asleep on bikes crashing <laughs> into ditches. It's it's one thing to raise money for a charity. But it's quite another to put yourself out there in the public domain and say, I'm going to try and do this within 10 hours. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, Gary, but, and, I, and I, don't want to, I don't want this ringing in your ears now as you, <laughs> as you train, and I, I certainly don't want to be knocking confidence, but would you regard doing it in um, more than 10 hours as a failure? Uh, no. I, um, I say that now, but if it should happen that I finish up 10 hours in two minutes... Uh, yeah, I'll put that down as a failure. Uh, I think I would, yeah. Well, it takes a lot then to, to put yourself front and centre in the public domain and say, I'm going to do this. I, because I know that people who do the marathon often don't tell people, including their co-workers, mm, in case mm, doesn't mm. happen, it doesn't work out. So to put yourself front front and centre like this, is it a lot of pressure? It, it is, Victor, I suppose, in the sense that this is my profession as well. I'm a sports scientist by profession. Mm. So the expectancy would be there that whatever I'm doing, I'm doing correctly. Um, and if I don't break the 10, well then, is there somebody out there going to say, mm, I'm not sure if I'll trust this guy as a sports scientist mm. because he couldn't even get himself over under the 10 hours. How's he going to fare out for me? So that is probably where the profession is coming. If I was a dentist, yeah, sure. <laughs> it, it would be uh, less pressurised, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So there must be a good deal then of psychological preparation for something like this. Yeah, um, I think I've always been pretty mentally resilient. Um, not tough, but I think maybe resilient is the term because um, I've just stayed going forward. 
I, I've tried to never, um, I've tried never to, what's the correct phrase? I guess let anything get me down. And I've, well, I suppose you're from Offaly, so yeah, well, you had a tough start there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been, I've been brought up in a, a resilient atmosphere. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's number one. I think look, I've, I'm just on the back of an injury that can't, I can't let that get get in on top of me. Do you know, I have to stay going forward. I have to do what I can do. Um. So yeah, mentally, mentally, it's it's challenging, but I, I enjoy that to be honest. Well, I've got to ask you because I suffered from this when when we did our few things, which now pale into such insignificance to this, but. There were times where you're training and the training session hasn't gone so well and you suddenly start this moment of panic of what have I let myself in for? I'm not going to be able to do this. Why have I put myself, you know, in mm. the public eye in relation to this? Have you had one of those yet? Yeah, no, I have. and But I always say to my young guys that anything that you're going to take on, if you're out there training for a couch to 5K or if you're out there training for a 10K, a marathon, whatever it might be, training is very much like life in that it comes in waves there'll be a hell of a wave will come along and it'll knock you for six but you just have to understand that there's there's a calmer period coming mm. immediately after that and another wave will come and another wave will come but you just have to be focused that the calmer periods will come and, and I always use that well a good question for you I think is which motivates you more the desire to win and do it or the fear of failing and not doing it uh, the fear gives me a good buzz. Mm. I certainly get a good buzz from the fear. Um, the fear is probably giving me a greater buzz at the moment than the training, okay. which is unusual. And I haven't actually been asked a question like that, but uh, yeah, it's good. Good question, Victor. Well, <laughs> Alistair Campbell wrote a great book, uh, Winners, in which he examined what motivated top Mm. you know individuals not mm. just sports people but uh, politicians and monarchs and all and I think his conclusion to that book was it seemed to be the fear of losing was a greater motivator than the desire to win and I often see in people who you know top athletes guys like yourself who put themselves forward to this type of thing it seems to be the driver mm. I suppose I've always been a little bit like that I'm not going to win this Ironman you know I'll, if if I break the 10, I come um, maybe top 30, top 40, something like that in the world, um, or if everyone competing, I guess. But I've always hated losing all my life. If it had been a game of cards or a game of Scrabble on Christmas Day, whenever it has been out there, I've always hated, I've feared losing. Okay. Well, that fear of losing is, is, is interesting because you've, I don't know, I've said you've put yourself front and centre to do this. And you haven't just put up a sign in your business. You haven't just put up a Facebook page. There's actually a documentary been made about this, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Mm. Um, I've got the assistance of um, some students in the college who have been documenting the progress from the start. And I also obviously take my own um, videos as well, mm. just to give it that kind of real, that real feel as well. So I feel a little bit odd when I wake up in the morning and I'm talking into a, a, my phone or <laughs> um, at maybe four o'clock in the morning. But yeah, there's a documentary been been made and uh, we're going to try then um, send it out to the public and give them a feel for exactly what what has been the, the pressures in well, all this. I've seen, I've seen the first bit that you've done. It's mm. fantastic. Where is it available, Gary? Is there, or is it available yet? Or where will it be available? Well, it won't be complete, I guess, obviously, until after after it happens. So 
Air Sport have very kindly come on board as a sponsor for the whole project. So Air Sport will actually advertise or will actually show the documentary um, once it has been finalised. So it'll go straight. It'll also go straight to, to air as well. So um, that's more pressure, I guess, because if I don't break the 10, I guess it's still going to have to be aired, isn't it? Well, so, you know, it, it, it's funny, Gary. Look, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredibly admirable. It's incredibly brave. It's interesting though. I know when I, when myself and Will did a couple of you know when we went to the North Pole or we went to Russia, it was okay for us. We were in a mindset. We trained. We were somewhat confident. Some would say foolishly confident, but our families were the one who were at home worrying. Was this healthy for us to do? Mm. You know, what would we feel like if we failed? How would all this go? How has this impacted your family? I mean, what do your parents think of this? Uh, yeah, I suppose I've always done these type of things. I've done twenty marathons and I've done two Ironmans and I've. I can't let you just you glance know, over that so one. You've done twenty marathons. Yeah, I I completed my twentieth last year. Yeah. That's incredible. So um, I. What kind of time are you doing on a marathon, Gary? Can I ask? Two fifty three is my PB. Two fifty three is my marathon PB. Now I'm nearly going to have to do a two fifty three in Zurich. Okay. To break ten, and that's going to be incredibly difficult. And it puts it in con- context for myself ex- as well, exactly what I do have to do here. Well, I want to come back to your family for a second because mm. I, I think it's an interesting point. Yeah, but I glazed over that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you flipped <laughs> over that high mom moment, all right. Um, and I'm not going to let you away with that. But before before we do, because it's just, it's a reason. You're talking about doing nearly a 2.53 time on the on the marathon. Mm. So let's just say three hours as, mm. as a round mm. figure. So that leaves two other disciplines. You've got seven hours. Mm. What are you hoping to do cycle-wise and what are you hoping to do um, swim-wise? Yeah, so the breakdown is going to be, well, what I'm looking at is about 120 to 130 in the water. A 130 would be a, an okay swim, but it's by far my weakest event. Uh, I'd be looking to do a 515 on the bike and I'd be looking to do three 310 marathon. Okay, and I'm assuming that there's a certain amount of wastage, if we'll call it that, in transitions. Mm. Is there from, I, I assume you don't just get out with your swimming togs or your wetsuit on and get onto a bike and cycle off in a wetsuit? No, and the transitions are incredibly important as well because you'll see some people taking 10 minutes in a transition, you'll see some people taking two. So the difference of two by eight, 16 minutes, I mean, it's a quarter of an hour. It's a huge, mm. it's a huge time. And especially for me, I will be looking to do each transition in about two minutes. So go from my swim to my run and my, or going from, from going to go from my swim to my bike and my bike to my run in two, in two minutes each. Okay. Now, obviously this is a question that would come from a dedicated athlete like me. Hmm. Where did you get your dinner? <laughs> in the middle of all this. <laughs> How do you eat? I mean, 10 hours, you're obviously expending massive amount of calories, massive amount of energy. You're transitioning in two minutes. So you're not sitting down for a poached egg and toast. No, <laughs> um, that's going to be quite difficult for me because it will be the first time I'll have pushed myself very hard for that long. So I'm obviously obviously expending a lot more calories. So my my fuel and preparation is going to have to be different this time as it was the last time because I'm going to be essentially working harder. So I'll be I'll be working on that as much as anything else over the next six months. What do I eat? It's a mixture of solid foods be it bananas, possibly um, something along the line of which would be quite popular with cyclists would be a small roll, maybe a small sandwich, just to have some solid... And do you eat these on the move well. or do you stop? Or? No, on the move, on the move, yeah. 
um, and then after that it will be um, the likes of your energy gels, your energy bars, your carbohydrates, carbohydrate mixes, water, uh, plenty of gels really. Where do you get the food Gary? I mean do you have it set up at stations or? You have two options. I suppose one area of Ironman which is different to a lot of other events out there, you can't actually be assisted. So you can't actually take food from um, a spectator. You can't take food, you can't take water from a spectator. Anything that you want to fuel yourself with, you must either have it on you or you must have it at one of the designated stations. And is there is this because they don't want you being passed illegal substances or...? I think it's more so the brand of Ironman have always issued this. It's been a part of the history whereby this is this is you out there. It's got to be nobody else but you. Okay. Um. So it's it's a part of the history. I think. Okay. So let me let me bring you back to your family then, Gary, because, you know, what do your mom and dad think about this? Isn't not we're only talking in the break there. It's not a natural thing to do in Ironman. It can't be healthy to train like this and do something like this. There has to be health benefits. I'm sure there are people who run into distress and medical conditions and these things. What do your family think about this? As I mentioned previously, they're so used to me doing these things. I mean, I remember when I was 17 years of age, I walked across Italy, you know, I was straight out of school. I don't think it had happened now, but they're used to me they're used to me doing these things so I think over the years they've probably got more relaxed even though my mother would be a warrior uh, so she's typical Irish mammy typical Irish mammy she doesn't like when I put up on Facebook that I'm swimming down the barrel um, at maybe two or three degrees on a Wednesday afternoon but uh, look yeah, well it happens and, and I mean this whole I'd love to I'd love to get into why you walked across Italy Gary that's a whole other podcast <laughs> whole, but whole so, so clearly these ventures are not something new to you clearly this is you know you're used to the putting your body through this type of stress yeah I am I'm, and I think you mentioned if it's dangerous it is dangerous if it's not done correctly if you're not progressing at at the correct rate if you're if you've got poor coaches poor instructors all of that all of those elements would make it dangerous but i believe the way i'm doing it is completely healthy okay because injuries must be a concern for you obviously when you've mm. you're, you're trying to train at this level you're trying to you're trying to run a business mm. an injury must knock you for six and you'd mentioned that you had an injury mm. just talk to me a little bit about the injury that you have yeah so your achilles tendon essentially is just at the top of your heel or below your calf i stressed this before christmas um so my volume was my volume of running was just starting to increase a little. Now I did start. I I have changed runners, so I I am I was starting to run with a new brand of runners. I feel this possibly impacted. Okay. Um. But uh, these things happened. Well, look, let's be honest here, Gary. I mean, I know somebody who's training like this is going to, you know, decide that a runner is at fault. But is there a possibility here that it's your body just saying, "Cop on"? No, 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 no definitely no, 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 not. Definitely, definitely not. not. No, okay. No. <laughs> so, Gary, then turning to the event itself, when is this Ironman? July twenty ninth in Zurich. Mm. And is Zurich at altitude? Is there any difficulties? Is there anything you think about this particular location that needs to be considered? No, to be fair, it's one of the flattest. It's certainly one of the flattest runs. The cycle is quite good as well. There's a couple of steep climbs, but 
and it's over two laps so you've got four steep climbs if you like but they're quite short and the swim is in a, a calm lake the temperature we're look the temperature we're looking at maybe 20 20 to 23 24 degrees well you're so, certainly not training for that at the moment no do you, are you going to do an acclimatization no i don't think i will um well no i know i won't uh, 20 to 22 degrees should be okay i am typically okay i'm light which obviously stands to me in terms of the heat mm. um, and i've also or i've always been quite adaptable to the heat it's okay. never affected me too much, so hopefully that won't impact, but it could. Well, let's let's turn then to the to the other big essential when you're training for something like this, which is diet and nutrition. Mm. And so for somebody who's come off the back of Christmas, mm. diet and nutrition <laughs> is quite a frightening topic yeah, yeah, to talk yeah, about yeah. because <laughs> my rehab over Christmas involves only fools and horses on a stable yeah. diet and milk tray. Um, talk to me about your, your nutrition at the moment. I mean, presumably you're, you're using a huge amount of calories per day, are you? Yeah. Again... It's the last month will be very different in terms of the upcoming month because of that injury and I haven't been on the road as much. But going forward over the next month, you could be talking four to five thousand calories a day, depending on the day, depending on what you're doing. I do a lot of my longer work on Saturdays and Sundays, so certainly then the calorie intake would be up around five thousand. And how do you replace that? Have you got a set diet? Do you work with a nutritionist, or do you just do you know what to do yourself? Yeah, so I have a nutritionist within my own business, so I would use Shona. Shona's um, got a master's in performance nutrition, so she's obviously very strong in that area. So she would have met me going back a few months and we would have spoke about what was upcoming and how we're going to correctly fuel up for this. So um, I'm not, I don't like a strict nutritional diet in the sense that I don't want to be told what to eat for breakfast, snack, mm-hmm. lunch, every single day. I like to have it a little bit looser. So I like to be told the foods to eat and when to eat them. And then I can pick and choose from that. Okay. I mean, I know you could do a whole podcast on nutrition. Mm. If Let's just ask you one simple question. Mm. If I were training for an Ironman, mm. in, in, stop laughing again, but if I were, <laughs> what would the one thing I shouldn't eat? The one thing you shouldn't eat, well, look, you've got to avoid um sweets and alcohol really you know you've got to avoid those where the whole world if we look at it maybe from a a more global point of view the whole world is at a loss at the moment because we have got these guys out there these celebrities out there trying to push people away from eating carbohydrates Mm. um dairy dairy you know which is all crazy crazy stuff nonsense good stuff unstudied unfounded undocumented um so i'd be more focusing on what you should eat rather than what you shouldn't eat if that makes sense so i'd be saying plenty of carbohydrates plenty of proteins um and healthy fats okay let's move away from you for a moment gary and let's look at the lucky recipient of this madness saplings school i know well school for children who are challenged by autism there's so many good charities out there. Why saplings? I've known of saplings for the last number of years. I think most people in Carlo do know of saplings. And it came about by actually me simply throwing up on Facebook. Look, guys, I'm thinking of doing this event. Is there any 
charities or who do, who does the public feel is worthy charities out there uh, to be the beneficiary of this and Victoria Murphy actually one of the one of a lady I know from town her son is in Zapplings and she sent me a lovely private mail straight away afterwards and she said you know would you consider maybe doing it for Zapplings and and it was as straightforward as that I said absolutely yeah why not great and you know I suppose Zapplings fantastic charity mm. and I presume it's underfunded from a government level isn't it yeah absolutely it's incredible when you go out there and you see 29 staff catering for 19 kids mm. um, and the work that they're doing and the the absolute passion that all the staff have out there for the kids and then you see the conditions that they're working in and they start to tell you the horror stories of where they've had to put their funding over the last couple of years because they couldn't afford this and they couldn't afford that and it's it's really mind-blowing um, they cater for kids from four years of age right up until uh, 17, 18 so even if we thought about there being a school out there with kids that weren't being challenged by autism, where would you ever get a school with that mm. um, that variant of age? It's not out there. It's almost like they don't have a voice to battle this themselves. So yes. nothing's really going to happen about it. And, and that's the feeling I got. I think if it was a regular school with kids who weren't challenged with kids from four years of age right up to 17, I think there'd be mayhem. Mm. And, you know, I suppose it's not just the children who are the benefactors of such great services. I mean, it's mm. it's great respite for the parents. It's great support for the parents of, of children challenged with autism. So truly is a, a, a very worthy cause. And, and let yeah. me ask you, Gary, and again, I'm going to hold you to a little bit of risk here. <laughs> How much do you hope to raise for saplings? Oh, that's a really tough one. I, I put a figure in my head and I don't know why why it's there or where it came from but I put I put a figure of 30,000 euro oh, brilliant um, whether it, that happens like anything else I'm not too sure but you know we've got to have a target and, and that's it well if somebody wants to help you with that target and somebody wants to um, donate to this really great cause uh, and I suppose give you the recognition for what you're doing putting yourself forward how did they do it? the quickest way i guess is to contact me if they have a look obviously any form of a, or size of a donation will be greatly greatly appreciated i can be contacted at gary at hpl.ie where we'll take obviously um checks or bank transfers to saplings or bags of cash bags of cash or whatever, whatever it might be um we are obviously developing our gofundme pages and all this currently as well so there will be many many forms for people to be able sure. to, to and i presume it. you've been working i mean i know our firm always gary would like to give you support does give you support yeah. but other than us i know you've been working with other mainline sponsors yeah so my sponsors include obviously yourself clark jeffers who, who have been incredible right from the very start and i guess not only in terms of sponsorship but it's the confidence that you guys have given me is every bit as important as the finances based race is um, uh, by components shop in dublin who have helped me to no end in terms of bikes and components and gear from that side air sport is obviously another which i've mentioned um so we've had we've had super super sponsors which which i really can't thank can't tank enough 
Um, well, look, yeah. I could I could probe this craziness, Gary, for hours. It's it's absolutely fascinating. Let's wrap up with this. Mm. Predict a time for me. Nine fifty nine. Nine fifty nine. Yeah. Economic to say the least. Nine fifty nine. Excellent. Well, look, Gary Flannery, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's it's eye opening that people do this. Uh, of their own free will and volition. <laughs> I tip my hat to you. It's incredible. And we'll be watching this space this year with, uh, with interest. Best of luck with it, Gary. Brilliant. Thanks Great. very much, Vic. Thanks.